0: You're listening to Spice Radio's The Morning Buzz, and we are now speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of the Georgia Strait. Charlie, how are you this morning?
1: Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks, Min Karen. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well as well, Charlie. Thank you so much for asking. Now, I do want to get to the biggest news story of the week and probably going to be continuing for the next couple of weeks. Queen Elizabeth II dies at the age of 96. We got the announcement yesterday. Many are calling her the queen who moved with the changing world. What kind of legacy do you think Queen Elizabeth II is going to have?
1: I, I think that was a very apt point that you just made and Karen, that she did move with the times. And, you know, the, the monarchy and the British Empire was associated with uh, so much pain for many people around the world, whether it was, you know, through colonialism. Um, we saw the residential schools in Canada, which was, you know, a participant was the Anglican Church. And, um, and what the Queen, when she came to power... Or not really power, but she became the monarch um, at a time when that empire was unraveling. And she presided over that period and uh, really went out of her way to forge strong relations with people around the world. In, in You know, she visited more than 100 countries and also tried, I think, in her own way to usher in and and show that uh, British Britain was a multicultural country and um, newcomers were adding to the country and strengthening the country and she didn't do it in, in such an overt way because she couldn't be political but I think that that uh, kind, of, kind of coursed through her veins and I think she helped Ease the transition to a post colonial world in a way uh, with a lot of dignity and foresight. And then there was obviously the role that she played behind the scenes in uh, helping to end apartheid in South Africa. So I, I think that's a very positive legacy, and I don't think it's something that's talked about so much that there's a lot of discussion about, you know, oh, she was this, you know, nice person who rarely made a mistake and, uh, you know, did a lot of service and charities and all these different things. But I do think that um, that role that she played in the transition from a colonial to a non-colonial world, obviously there's still a lot of colonialism and corporate colonialism, but I do think it was, a you know, something that uh, she could if she were alive today, she could be very proud of.
2: Charlie, uh, from what I see, there are two very stark reactions to the passing of the Queen. One is with due respect to her and her legacy uh, and her kindness and, you know, a very positive outlook towards that. But on the other hand, you have people who say that it's 2022. Why are we still owing allegiance to the Queen? And then, of course, there is the whole uh, path to reconciliation and conversations on that front as well. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it is rather amusing that uh, the monarchy has, has such a hold on people. And I think it is also a tribute to the, the public relations apparatus that the monarchy is. And it's uh, there are times when it's important you get minority governments. We had a situation where the Queen's representative in Canada, um, Mikhail Zhang, uh, was in a position whether she was going to grant Stephen Harper's request to basically padlock Parliament, prorogue Parliament. She granted it. I wondered whether a previous Queen's representative, Adrian Clarkson, would have made the same decision. I suspect not. So there are important, like, substantive issues that come up. We saw it in B.C., too, with the, Lieutenant Governor uh, Judith Guishon making the determination that John Horgan could form a, a government with a minority of seats, but in the in the bigger picture, um, I, I know friends of mine who come from countries that aren't really associated with the monarchy or, are sometimes puzzled by by how obsequious Canadians seem to be toward the monarchy and how uh, other countries have. Shackled themselves from this, yet we still seem collectively to be so devoted to these relatively remote figures and this family that is rife with dysfunction. Um, yet we, we and, and they're rich, and they're living off the public payroll, and you know, riding their horses and playing polo and traveling the world and staying in the most expensive hotels. Yet worship them, and uh, I do find Natasha, that this is a point of amusement for myself at times.
2: Yeah, and I think now when we say King Charles, I mean, just to say that, it seems rather odd, right? But uh, he's got big boots to fill, and there's going to be immense pressure on him.
1: Yeah, I do believe the Queen conducted herself in such a way that she earned the respect of even people who who don't even think the monarchy is, is the way we should be going. I think this is going to be tougher for for Charles because he uh, has not uh, come across nearly as well. And the other problem that he faces is is this TV show called The Crown, (laughs) which is on Netflix, (laughs) and he has not come across very well in The Crown at all. perception I think the public has uh, of, to a fair degree, and I don't know how he's going to erase that perception now that he's king, and, and I'm wondering whether it will result in a rise in republicanism, particularly in some of the Commonwealth countries like Canada, New Zealand, Australia, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I wonder if they would have been better off just going straight to William and Kate.
2: Yes, I was <laughs> thinking that. that too. I mean, they're prettier as well. <laughs> just saying.
0: No, I, I think, honestly, only time will tell. I think he does have really big shoes to fill. One of the things that I think is interesting, though, especially when you are in the position like Queen Elizabeth II the Queen, now he's the king, you also have to be careful about what you say because I know that King Charles III has been very outspoken about the environment. He has spoken at conferences and people are saying, well, now you can't really speak on these issues you have to keep it very neutral so i'm genuinely very keen to see how he's going to handle that right so yeah. that'll be interesting um now charlie another story we've been talking a lot about with you is city news announced that the former ctv news chief anchor lisa laflam has been hired to act as a special correspondent especially to cover given the news of queen elizabeth ii what do you think of this move
1: well i i actually think it's a smart move by city news because it's lagging behind um, in terms of ratings. It's, my guess is it's, well, CTV has the most popular newscast in Canada. Um, you've got Global, you've got CBC, and then C- City News is this kind of pipsqueak in a way. Like the urban TV stations cobbled together in a network, but now they've, uh, but it's owned by Rogers, and Rogers Communications is obviously a very big player the telecommunications sector and it's the big three is is bce which owns ctv bell canada and then you've got uh telus which doesn't own a tv network and then you've got rogers which owns city tv and um and will also own uh global if the uh takeover goes through so rogers has picked up lisa laflamme to do the royal coverage, which I think will draw some interest and some viewers, and I think Lisa Laflamme probably appeals uh, to royalists, because I think the Queen is tremendously popular with older women, and so uh, it's going to undercut CTV, and the bigger question in my mind is this the dress rehearsal for Lisa Laflamme to be hired by the Global Network and possibly become the next global national news anchor uh which will put her up you know household name in canada against adrian arsenault at cbc and against um, um omar Sachedina at ctb and is this what rogers's real game is
2: do you think it's almost like a checkmate i was literally <laughs> thinking checkmate
0: chess pieces, Yeah, yeah <laughs> i
1: actually wrote an article this morning and i said she's become a chess piece Oh, in okay. the corporate battle between Canada's largest and third-largest telecommunications companies because the, the BCE is the largest and it owns CTV but Rogers has more subscribers actually to its mobile network but BCE, because it's got CTV it's worth a lot more and then you've got the second most valuable telecommunications company is actually Telus so Telus is worth about $40 billion. BCE is worth fifty-seven point four billion, and uh, Rogers is in third place at twenty-seven point eight billion. So the shareholders want the price of Rogers stock to go up, obviously, and they they're very active in telecommunications and they I mean on the mobile side and in the sports side, um, but not so much on on news and broadcasting. And so bringing in Lisa LaFlamme might fit within a corporate strategy of really strengthening that side of their business. And then if the, the Shaw takeover goes through, then the question is, will if Lisa Laflamme shines and gets great ratings in this position, will they move her in
0: as a permanent news anchor?
2: I'm just intrigued to know what a paycheck looks like. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah i think we're all wondering especially with this covers that she'll be doing so only time will tell now charlie of course it is the weekend and you were telling me about the four fires festival tell us a bit about it
1: yeah it's taking place at concord community park september 10th and 11th so right on the on the shore of false creek and um what it is is it's canoe indigenous canoe races Um, They haven't been held in False Creek for over 100 years, but the Four Fires Festival canoe races take place this weekend. So teams from up and down the west coast of North America will join for a weekend of celebration, and, you know, there's different age categories, and um, I think it's a a sign of reconciliation, um, and it's uh, really something um, fairly... a very interesting array- event because we've had canoe events in connection with reconciliation when Vancouver held its 150-plus uh, uh, celebrations on the 150th anniversary of Confederation. Um, but now we're going to have, uh, you know, something very dramatic taking place in Falls Creek this weekend.
2: And besides the races, I believe there's going to be the Artisans Market, there's going to be great food, entertainment...
1: Yeah, it's a it's a full on festival.
2: What fun! And
1: and then they've also got so one of the, the headlining acts they've got a main stage with Neon Dreams playing, um, Sister Says, and uh, in, in lots of indigenous music and dancing. Uh, DJ Kukum, who's who's a well known um, local DJ and multimedia artist. Uh, um, and she tours with the Snotty Nose Rez Kids, which is a really probably one of the most famous Indigenous bands in the world. So, yeah, this is a big event.
2: And Indigenous food as well. Mr.
0: Bannock, yeah. the food truck. Yeah, you can enjoy I'm Bannock. excited. Treat <laughs> yourself this weekend. Charlie, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. You take care.
1: Okay, thank you. Thanks. Bye.